If you're looking for the best horror, thriller, sci-fi and WTF audio fiction this side of the apocalypse, then you should listen to The Other Stories. With over 500 stories on the podcast feed already and news stories dropping every single Monday morning, The Other Stories is your new best friend. Check out The Other Stories today on any and all podcast platforms or head to theotherstories.net. After all, these aren't the stories your mother used to tell you. These are The Other Stories. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Today's episode of Tales of What is sponsored by Babu691. Babu. Babu691 is your gateway to the weird and wonderful. This online magazine celebrates the surreal and the bizarre in literature, film, art and more. You'll find the latest on bizarro fiction, interviews, humour, the history of surrealism and the weird in all its many forms. Have an idea for an article? Babu691 is open for queries and submissions, so check them out at babu691.com. That's B-A-B-O-U-691.com. Babu... Welcome back to Tales of What. Um, I can't believe we've only got two episodes left of season two. It's gone by very quickly. Just to say uh, a quick thank you for for listening to the episode so far. A quick thank you for any reviews you've left. Um, I really enjoy making this podcast. Uh, I love strange short stories. and I love the bizarro genre. It's a bit of a hidden gem of, of a genre, to be honest. So if you enjoy it, be sure to tell people about it. Maybe go buy a Bizarro book. Leave a leave a review. Tweet about it. Whatever. It's, it's the kind of genre that lives and breathes by uh, the people, by how much people talk about it. And with, if people just stop talking about it, it will die, I'm afraid. <laughs> Today we are bringing back a writer who was featured on season one of Tales of What, a Mr. Liam Shardlow. So if you enjoyed today's episode, go be sure to check out the British Bizarro Flash Spam episode in Season 1. 
Today's episode is Maggie Thatcher, Egg Hatcher, written by Liam Shardlow and narrated by some dude called Luke. Hmm. Margaret Thatcher sat her small taut arse upon her humongous pile of eggs at the base of the old oak tree. With a cricket bat held in her fierce wet-covered maw, she waited for the ravenous and dusty coal miners. The moon shone through the canopy, a Dalmatian carpet illuminated Maggie's field of vision, and it danced and swayed with every wolf howl of the wind. The drums began, Black holes shimmered into existence, and the buff, hairy coal miners crawled out, slivering silently, covered in the black dust that coughed out of every hole, poisoning the air. They marched forward. Scowling with bestial hunger, they sniffed the air before exiting their portals of huge, gaping nostrils filled with coarse hair and charcoal-black dust. Sensing the nearby danger, Maggie Thatcher hitched up her dress, rolled up her shirt sleeves and took the cricket bat in both hands, poised to strike at any provocation. This was her first lay and she was determined for them to remain safe and unbroken. A high-pitched and unearthly shriek came from the coal miners in unison. They had her eggs sent and they would feast upon them at any cost. They rushed towards Margaret's nesting spot beneath the old oak tree. Leaping through the air, jaws distended, greasy black slobber dripping from their blackened and chipped teeth. Maggie laid the first one out with a mighty wallop, splintering its jaw into several pieces of bone and black coal-infused goo. The miner spiralled through the air and crashed against a nearby fir tree, dead and unmoving. The second caught her backswing in the ribs. It reeled for a second, a shocked look agape its face as its heart exploded within its ribcage. Such was the sheer force of Maggie's expert batting skills, her time at Oxford well spent. A third came at her from behind and she twisted out of the way as its enormous yellowed and clawed hand pulled at her face. She raised her weapon in defence and it tore the cricket bat from her. She howled in horror and despair. Seeing her defenceless, the others swarmed in, and Maggie was quickly torn from her nest. The eggs were quickly devoured by the hundreds of coal miners. Margaret, with her robes of office torn from her now naked body, used the short time that her eggs had given her and managed to climb a nearby tree. She climbed to the very top of the branches to hide from any miners that would fancy her a quick meal. With full bellies, the miners left for another year, slinking back into their black holes in the warm, viscous embrace of their working-class dimension, to mine again and provide for their families. Maggie Thatcher sat upon her sizeable pile of eggs atop the old oak tree, its branches barren of leaves and coated in a thick layer of snow. Maggie shivered and sucked on a cough sweet. Her vocal cords were greased with honey and eucalyptus, primed for the midnight bellowing. Church bells echoed in the distance, the call of the school children. By the twelfth ring they had come, the lunch bell beckoning them into the forest of Maggie's delicious eggs. 
Clouds of children formed out of the ether, a low hum of working-class youth, small, clawed, milk-spattered and ravenous. As they swirled overhead, Margaret took in several deep, calming breaths as one last preparation before the eventual attack. As the first one dived down, Maggie distended her jaw and spewed forth from her throat a supersonic wail, exploding the killer child into a puff of powdered milk and feathers. Maggie, out of breath, braced herself as another child descended. Unable to unleash another scream, she threw herself over her eggs, trying to protect them. The child ripped into her back with barbed wire talons, tearing chunks of her flesh and drawing blood as it tore through her Marks and Spencer padded suit jacket like it was butter. It was actually cashmere, so it couldn't withstand the assault for long, so Maggie inhaled long and hard. Jerking back her neck, Maggie unleashed another banshee-like cry. The remains of her lozenge flew with it and disintegrated into a lemony cacophony of dust. Several children flew out of the way of her burst and flew even higher. She missed her attacker. Maggie's throat was sore to say the least, coughing up blood as the strain of each destructive roar stretched the skin of her neck and face to almost tearing. The children saw this weakness and clumped together with a myriad of wet slapping noises. Maggie had been waiting for this. She let out her loudest, most earth-shattering scream, decimating the children and cleaving them from all existence with a single sonic blast. Maggie's throat gave out. She gobbed up chunks of blood and saliva onto her makeshift nest. Softly crying, she gazed across the snow-laden trees towards the horizon and her soft cries of relief turned to despairing cries of fear. A mass of children, innumerable in number and gargantuan in size, covered the light from the full moon. She could hear their chittering and their chattering. Listen, blood, there's bare eggs, in it? They cried, chilling Maggie's veins to ice. Taking one last look at her eggs, Margaret shed a single tear and dived into the canopy of the old oak tree. Grabbing onto a branch on the way down, she swung into a small recess in the trunk. She shrank into the tiny hole, crying with fear and frustration as the milk-filled children devoured her unprotected eggs, all the while muttering themselves. Hashtag Peng. Maggie Thatcher sat on her three eggs in the nook of the old oak tree. The moon was waxing its legs. The shadows that covered the summer-laden forest were thick and sweltering. They could probably also use the shave. Coal miners sniffed at the base of the tree while the children shook the branches above. Maggie sweated from the heat but also with fear. For the tree's branches hid fearsome, elongated trains, each with steam-filled moors and iron-hewn haunches ready to pounce and devour anything that dared block the tracks. Maggie had no cricket bat, no banshee wail, nothing to defend her eggs from the trains. She barely slept that night as the trains chugged along tree-vein tracks, switching hither and thither, threatening to crash right into her hiding spot before veering off to pick up some unseen passengers for the 220 to Hepstoke. The trains were never on time, making Maggie's well-worn timetable essentially useless. The tent fire to Greenwich had been cancelled. Maggie heard it over the tannoy and saw it diverted right towards her hiding spot. 
Maggie felt it rumble along the branch directly beneath her. The train chugged slowly, purposefully, carefully smelling out everything as it moved. Its heavy iron wheels clacked and clanged as it went over the wooden track dividers naturally grown into the tree's bark over years of evolution and a rather generous grant from the home office. The train beneath her lit up. She could hear its hunting call from deep within its belly. The dining cart will be passing through with various snacks and drinks. We're unfortunately out of tea. Maggie closed her eyes, her heart pounding in her ears, her blood boiling. She could hear it, louder than her heartbeat. The smell of smoke, dank, the taste of the air, bitter, the heat from its engine, choking. She opened her eyes. The train had risen several of its front carriages up, the powerful weight of its back two-thirds keeping it balanced. The caboose salivated with thick mucus and its mouth spread agape slowly. It sniffed the air. Maggie stopped breathing as it inched closer. Not daring to move, Maggie realised she would have to abandon her eggs again if she was to live. The train was a hair's breadth away from Maggie, the steam from its breath scalding her sagging face, coating her in rivers of condensation. The train leaned back, prepared to strike. Maggie took her only chance and dived out of the tree as the train tore into her eggs. She hit the ground as it crunched and chewed her offspring. Due to concerns about terror attacks, we ask all passengers to please not leave any baggage unattended. It howled victoriously as Maggie dodged the curious sniffs and whines of the hunchbacked coal miners. Maggie fled through the forest and away from the relative safety of the old oak tree. Only when her feet grew tired, her hair limp and lifeless, her lungs spent of breath, did Maggie collapse in a heap in the middle of a clearing. The sun rose and Maggie knew that by dawn, something would crawl out of the cold to the unwelcoming earth to devour her whole as she lay there, defenceless and spent. Maggie sat beneath the blue rose bush, her last egg moving with life, snuggled safely betwixt her humongous arse cheeks. The warm spring sun leaked through the rose bush's thorny shield. Sharp and pointy, they kept out the snarling miners from the ground level. They pricked any children that dared land on its branches, and they did not grow tracks for the trains. And most of all, they did not harm Maggie or her egg. She was safe. The rose bush leaked fine champagne from its flowers, and Maggie quenched her thirst whenever she needed to. It attracted large foie gras flies that she delicately picked out of the air with her unmanicured hands before swallowing them whole. There was a price to pay for the bush's existence though. It sucked the earth dry, leaving it the only piece of flora in a hundred miles in either direction. As such it was situated dead centre in the dry, cracked, earthy desert. Those that tried to eat Maggie's egg travelled far and often died. They could not survive the return trip. Those that died close by would be eaten by the bush, collecting them with its long, thick, prehensile roots covered in gold and right-wing tabloid headlines. It had called to Maggie long ago as she lay dying on the edge of the forest. She'd crawled on her belly, starving, dehydrated, without hope. She arrived days later and made a pact with the bush. It would protect her and she would lure in food of her delicious eggs. Maggie was old though, 
Too many winters, too many nights, too many of her precious over eaten. She didn't think she could produce another, yet when spring came, the urge to lay overcame her again. For twenty days she struggled before laying a single egg, her final egg. The bush declared it an outrage that such a paltry thing could bring enough to sustain its avarice. Maggie only whistled and pointed to the skies that filled with screeching children, and then she pointed to the ground as black holes opened and the legions of coal miners crawled out into the world. The blue rose bush laughed with malicious glee while it butchered and fed upon every morsel. The bush was happy, and so was Maggie. When winter came, her egg was ready to hatch. It rumbled from within. Small cracks appeared upon its surface. Maggie cried with joy, and the bush watched intently. It knew their deal would come to an end soon, and it would enjoy the meal of Maggie before protecting the offspring, which would then go on to lay more eggs. Margaret was no fool though. She knew this too, but she also knew that her egg contained no child. It harboured only the secrets of her ascension, mighty snakes of pure metamorphosis. The egg cracked. The tiny black eyeless worms wiggled free. Maggie closed her eyes and the snakes engulfed her, swarming into her nostrils and ears, invading her blood and warping her physical form, an avatar of shifting, formless nightmare fuel. The bush screamed in fear and attacked Maggie with its powerful roots. It was too late. The thick tendrils caught fire as its blows landed and the bush didn't have time to scream as all its roots and forms evaporated out of existence. The metamorphosis had finished as quickly as it had begun. The snakes dropped off her and scurried away towards the forest in the distance. The Iron Lady rose 2,000 feet tall, a giant compared to the tiny thing she had been. The remains of the bush merely a blue speck on her shining steel lapel. The Iron Lady surveyed the world beyond the dead desert to the farthest reaches of the wild forest and the remains of the old oak tree to the island of England. Yes, she said, her voice booming through the cosmos as she stomped over the ground, forming craters as big as elephants with each step. They will revere me, she bellowed, vowing revenge to herself on all coal miners, children and trains. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Tales of What. Maggie Thatcher, Egg Hatcher, was written by Liam Shardlow, narrated by me, uh, with music by Blair Moon and Duke Rondo, and sound effects provided by zapsblatt.com. Be sure to follow Liam over on Twitter at, at G underscore S underscore ball. That's golf underscore Sierra underscore ball. <laughs> He's also a member of the British Bizarro community, so go over to Facebook and give them a follow. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can follow me and my work over at lukecondor.com. Ooh, be sure to sign up to the mailing list. I'm giving away a free book at the moment. It's about a 250-page book of short stories. Some weird short stories, some horror short stories and that kind of thing. You can check out my other podcast, The Other Stories for 350 episodes of short horror fiction you can help support Tales of What by donating a bit of a wonga 
over at ko-fi.com forward slash Luke of Condor. And be sure to join the Bizarro Discord server and hang around with some Bizarro writers and fans. Go to lukecondor.com forward slash Bizarro. And that's Condor spelt with a K. Alright. So we've got next week is our final episode of the season. Hope you enjoyed it. I'll talk to you soon. Until next time. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.